Welcome once again to Searching the Scriptures radio broadcast. We do appreciate you tuning in again today as we look into the Word of God. I'm Pastor Travis Alltop, and I appreciate you tuning in. It's a privilege to have the old Blackback 66 King James Bible laid out on the table before me today, and we trust you that you'll get your copy out, open it up, and follow along in the Scriptures with us as we look in the Word of God. This week, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 8, Matthew chapter 8. And we want to look at a couple of men who claim to want to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, we're going to look at how Jesus dealt with both of these men. The Lord Jesus, being a sinless, perfect uh, man, always had the wisest and best approach to dealing with people. And he always said and gave the right answer at the right time. And he always had a good word that was spoken in due season. And so we're going to uh, look at that this week, Matthew chapter 8. While you're turning to Matthew chapter 8, uh, as always, we want to take this opportunity to encourage you to be in the book every day of the week. That Bible still says, seek ye out the book of the Lord and read. We need a revival of Bible readers in the churches these days. Uh, too many people are going off what they've heard or what uh, their grandma thought and, and what grandma believed or people going off their feelings. Can I remind you that we're all susceptible to deceive ourselves? That Bible still says, over there in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12, that there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And you know something? That's why the Scripture instructs us, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, to trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. So do not lean unto your own understanding, because there is a way that seems right to you but it is the ways of death. And so you know what you need to do? You need to quit listening to people who cause you to err from the words of truth. You need to quit listening to yourself, and you need to go to the Word of God to get instruction. The only way you're going to know what the Word of God says is if you spend time in it. The only way you're going to be able to walk by faith, which is how we as Christians are said and called to walk, we walk by faith, not by sight. The only way you're going to be able to do that is if you know what the Bible says. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And so on this program, we encourage you to get back to the book, which is the source of all truth. The final authority is the Word of God. All right, let's go to Matthew chapter 8. Let's look at these two men who want to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 8, let's begin reading together in verse 19. Matthew chapter 8, verse 19, the Bible says, And a certain scribe came and said unto him, Master, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. Well, that sounds good. This man's got the right attitude, it seems like. If all I knew about this man is what he just said here in verse 19, I'd say, hey, I'd be a good guy to have in church. But notice Jesus' answer to this man in verse 20. Jesus saith unto him, The foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And another of his disciples said unto him, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. But Jesus said unto him, Follow me, and let the dead bury their dead. And so two men who uh, showed an interest in following the Lord Jesus Christ are both met with two different kinds of answers. And let's take time today to kind of break down these answers and see if we can figure out from our text and from the Word of God why the Lord Jesus answered these men in two entirely different styles. The first man in verse 19, a certain scribe, is one who is familiar with the Bible. A scribe was one who was in charge of keeping the Scriptures uh, tra um, copied out. He was very familiar with the Scriptures in that day. 
And obviously this man had been following Jesus Christ, but he, because he calls him master, he'd obviously heard him preach and teach. And he says, master, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus's answer in verse 20, as we have seen is unique because basically he doesn't say, no, you're not allowed to follow me. No, I don't want you following me. He doesn't say that, but rather he seems to kind of throw a little cool water on this man's, uh, fervent zeal, what would appear like a fervency in this man is kind of a little water thrown on it. He kind of almost discourages him by telling him, listen, the animals have places to go. They have homes. He says, but you know, tonight I don't have a place to even lay my head down. Now, why would he say something like that? Well, let me say this. The Bible is very clear that following Jesus Christ and the Christian life that we're called upon to, to live is going to be, have its share of heartaches and hardships. Now, I know it's very much in vogue right about now in the Laodicean church age that we're living in right before the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. With all of the apostasy that fills the pulpits of America, there's a great message that's being perpetrated, a false gospel called the prosperity gospel. And there's different shades and degrees of this false gospel. But a lot of times I've noticed that the gospel has been watered down to be nothing more, uh, it's presented in many churches as nothing more than a life enhancement deal. You know, come to Jesus, uh, try him out a little while, and he'll make you happy. He'll, he'll take away your problems and give you a job, and, you know, you won't have any more uh, headaches and heartaches in this life, and you can, uh, you know, live high on the hog, and everything's going to be lovely, because after all, uh, you're a child of the king. Now, there's different versions of how that's preached, but that's basically the gist of it. Well, I'm here to tell you this, that when you get born again by receiving Jesus Christ, you got to have the, you got to lay the foundation before you can start building. But if you have Jesus Christ and you know him as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to tell you that if you surrender your life to, and begin to follow him like you should, you're going to find out that uh, there's going to be some heartaches and some afflictions in this life. Well, Jesus Christ even tells him before he left this earth over there in John chapter uh, 15 verses 18 through 20. He said, look, they've hated me. They'll hate you. He said, the servant is not greater than his Lord. And you get over in the Pauline epistles and we find a promise in second Timothy chapter three, verse 12 that says, yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Listen to me. That promise, that's a promise. That's a, just as strong a promise as John three sixteen. The John 3.16 is a promise of everlasting life to whosoever believeth in him. But over in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, and how few times this passage is ever preached upon, but it's just what I quoted. Everyone who lives for God, do you live godly in Christ Jesus? You're saved. You're wanting to follow him, wanting to do right. Well, the Bible says you will suffer persecution. This idea that uh, you're going to live the Christian life and never have any troubles, never have any heartaches. And, uh, you know, if you responded to the gospel pitch that says, you know, come down here and come to Jesus because God has a, quote, wonderful plan for your life, that's not really New Testament evangelism. That's not really a New Testament gospel. No, the gospel is how that Christ died and suffered for your sins. And uh, he died in due season. He died for the ungodly, the Bible says. He was buried and he rose again. And he'll justify every man that comes to him and receives him uh, as his savior from sin. But I'll tell you something, after you get saved, you may have to suffer some things while the apostle Paul, the day he was born again, the day he got saved in Acts chapter nine, Jesus said, you go down and see, uh, uh, that boy down there. I can't think of his name right now in Acts chapter nine, uh, Ananias. He said, you go see Ananias 
and he shall tell thee what great things thou shalt suffer for my name's sake. So I guess following Jesus Christ could bring some suffering in this life. And sure enough, we read as Paul followed the Lord Jesus. Remember what we're looking at. Matthew 8, 19, that old scribe said, Lord, Master, he said, I'll follow thee whithersoever thou goest. That's quite a thing to say. And Jesus Christ just reminded him, I don't have a place to lay my head down tonight, which teaches us that a follower of Jesus Christ may go through hardships and will go through some problems and trials. And if you really do live for him, you will suffer persecution. Paul, the apostle one of the greatest Christians that ever lived. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, it says over here, he begins to describe uh, what he went through. Listen, he talks about being shipwrecked. He talks about being beaten. He talks about being whipped. He talks about uh, being robbed. He talks about being beaten with rods, being stoned one time, uh, being uh, lost out in the deep, out in, the, in journeyings often among robbers and and among false brethren and among his own countrymen and heathen. Listen, he had perils in his life, in weariness and painfulness. Listen, Paul suffered for the cause of Jesus Christ. And if you follow him, there will be some sort of persecution or suffering that you'll face. It's a promise. And Jesus Christ was just calling attention to this man's maybe uh, premature zeal, we could call it. He said, well, you really want to follow me whithersoever I go? Are you willing to lay down tonight without having a place to lay your head down? You see, Jesus Christ may call you into a life of sacrifice and suffering, and we all do to some degree if we're truly following him. And this modern-day message of health, wealth, and uh, you know prosperity is a, is a false pitch, and it's what people want to hear, but it's not the whole truth, all the truth, and nothing but the truth. Do you understand that? And all Jesus Christ is doing is he's not telling the man, no, you can't do it. He's just trying to get him to examine and make sure that his heart is really in it. Because can I tell you something? That is the key. That, my friend, is the key to the Christian life. It was the key in you getting saved. You say, what's the key, preacher? Your heart. Your heart has to be in it. You got saved when you believed with your heart. That Bible still says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And listen, you got saved by believing with your heart, but listen, you're, you're going to have a successful uh, discipleship with Jesus Christ when you fall in love with him in your heart and follow him with your heart. We don't need lip service. We need heart service. This man in verse 19, the, the answer that he gets kind of tells me that maybe his heart wasn't really in what he was saying. His lip service outran his heart service. In fact, Jesus speaks of hypocrites who do that. He says, with their lips, they honor me, but their heart is far from me. And oh, how we've all heard people stand up and brag about what they were going to do for Jesus Christ, how that they were all in, how they weren't ever going back, and this was the place for them. I always get tickled when people who've been backslidden for years show up to one or two church services and they hear some preaching and they get stirred a little bit. And that's good. We're glad for that. But then you have a time of testimonies and they, they haven't been in church for 10 years, but they've been back two services and they stand up and begin to declare what they're going to do for Jesus Christ and how they're all in and how you couldn't run them off with a dirty mop. And, you know, I've come to watch those kind of folks who get premature in their words and their lips begin to say all the right things, but their heart, they haven't examined their heart and they haven't counted the cost usually within a month. They're gone. They're out. 
And uh, the old saying, this is what I've often preached to our church, those that come in with a sizzle often go out with a fizzle. Come in with a sizzle, go out with a fizzle. That's usually the way it is. And listen, it's a long term. It's not a sprint to serve Jesus Christ and be his disciple and follow him. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's day by day, doing what you know to do today, praying today, reading your Bible today, handing out tracts today, witnessing for Jesus Christ today. And you know something? If you'll just put one foot in front of the other and just keep moving, trudging forward, walking one day at a time by faith, keeping the victory, maintaining the victory day by day, walking with Jesus Christ, a week turns into a month. A month turns into six months. Six months turns into a year. One year turns into five years and then ten. And you just keep walking by faith, walking with him, learning of him, and and finding out how good of a God he is. But listen, it's not going to happen just because you come into two services and jump up and shout it out. And how many times have we all seen it in our churches, someone who apparently gets on fire and then fizzles out real quick, just as the flare-up. Uh, their fade out is as quick as their flare up or quicker. And so Jesus Christ is not telling the man, no, you shouldn't do it. You shouldn't have said that. He's just encouraging him, hey, count the cost. Because if you're going to follow me, there's going to be some hardships along the road. There's going to be some opposition. There's going to be some persecution. The servant is not greater than his Lord. And Jesus said, if they've hated me, they'll hate you also. And so you got to count the cost, friend, if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And you got to be sure your heart's sold out to it. But notice in verse 21, there's a second man involved here. Another of his disciples, the Bible says in verse 21, here's what he says to him. He says, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. But Jesus said unto him, and boy, this answer has puzzled people for many years. Some people think it's just downright mean, maybe a little cold, maybe a little unfeeling. But Jesus looks at this man and says, follow me and let the dead bury their dead. Now he said, well, that's a hard, that's a hard line the Lord takes. No, remember something about Jesus Christ. He knows the heart of this man. He knows the thoughts that we all think. And his answers were always just what the doctor ordered. And right here in verse 22, Jesus gives the answer to this man that he needed to hear. And you know what I believe? Because the way Jesus said, listen, he doesn't think it's wrong for you to honor your father and your mother. He doesn't think it's wrong for you to go to a funeral. We find Jesus Christ at a funeral in John chapter 11. Uh, he doesn't think it's wrong to weep. The Bible instructs us as Christians to weep with them that weep. It's all right to, to sorrow, but just not as others which have no hope. There's nothing wrong with a funeral. No, Jesus Christ is addressing a deeper problem in this man. And the problem here is not this man's daddy's funeral. There's a couple of problems. The first problem is... A me-first attitude. This man is in love with himself. You say, how do you know that, preacher, all top? Well, in verse 21, notice what he says. The Holy Ghost many times words conversations in such a way to show us in the Bible what the man's problem is. Notice what he says to the Lord. He says, Lord, suffer. What are the next two words? Suffer me first to go and bury my father. The man's problem, number one, is a me-first attitude. Do you know what keeps people dead in the water? Do you know what slows Christians down and hinders them and brings them down to a crawl and sometimes uh, causes them to end up out of the work of God completely? Do you know what, the, what it is? You say it's drugs. No, that's not the problem. You say well, it's, it's bad church members that, that are mean and nasty to them. No, that's not the problem. It's bad preaching. Well, that doesn't help anything, but that's usually not the problem. You say, well, what is it? It's self. 
You cannot be enamored, caught up with yourself, and in love with yourself and be a disciple of Jesus Christ. There's not room for both of you on that throne in your heart. Jesus Christ has got to be number one. He's got to be the first priority, the first thing in your life. If your own desires, if your own hopes, plans, and ambitions, all of what you want to do, if you are catering to you first, if you have a me-first attitude, then you are not a disciple of Jesus Christ, and you can't be until you get rid of self and allow Jesus Christ to lead you the way he's supposed to. Listen, it is, it is supposed to work that way. That Bible says we're not our own, but we've been bought with a price. The price was the precious blood of the Lamb of God. And Christian friend, if you've come under the, the saving power of the blood of Jesus Christ and you've received him as your Lord and Savior, let me tell you something. Take your hands off the wheel and let the Lord run the ship. Let him run the show. Let him lead you and guide you. Do you know why you need that? Because you'll make a mess of your life. How many Christians have I seen end up out of church or end up in some terrible mess simply because they put their own desires first? Just like this man in verse 21 who pretends to want to follow the Lord as soon as he takes care of this. Listen, his problem is it's a me first. He said, Lord, suffer me first. And if you have a me first attitude, you cannot be a disciple of Jesus Christ. The Lord says this on several occasions. The, the, uh, the terms of being a, a disciple is dying to self. And you know something? When Jesus Christ died for you, that's your salvation. That's justification. Christ died for me. But you know what sanctification Victorious Christian living and discipleship is, it's you dying with him. You have to come to understand that, yes, you've been given eternal life when you believed upon Jesus Christ, but now that you're one of his, listen, he is supposed to lead and Lord and be the Lord of your life and lead you wherever he wants you to go. And in Luke chapter 14, he lays this down. He says, over there, if any man come to me, he says, and hate not his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Did you get that? That means that you've got to, you've got to lay self aside. You've got to make sure that you are dead to self. You know what Paul said? Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. He says, I am crucified with Christ. Do you know why he said it in the present tense? Because from day to day, he died daily with Jesus Christ. It was a reality to him. He knew he had eternal life. He knew in whom he had believed. But he says, I am crucified with Christ. When you're crucified, you can't do anything. You need to reckon yourself dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ. He said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, listen, yet not I, but Christ. Not I, but Christ. Say, what are you saying? I'm saying that Jesus Christ wants to live his life through you, Christian friend, but he cannot and will not force his way out of your, uh, or through your life. He will not force that until you submit yourself to his lordship and allow him to have the proper place of preeminence and authority in your life. And as long as you are on the throne and as long as it's all about your comfort and your pleasure and your convenience, you'll never have the victorious Christian life and you'll never know what it is to fellowship with Jesus Christ the way he designed it and set it up to be. 
This man said, Lord, suffer me first. Jesus said, no, follow me now. You let the dead bury the dead. Let somebody else take care of that. And I'll tell you something else we see, not only his problem of selfishness, but we see also something here that's hinted at in this question and answer se- uh, session between this man in Matthew eight twenty one and the Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew eight twenty two. We see a procrastination because the Lord's answer is follow me. Now, right now, follow me. Don't put it off. Don't tell me you're going to do it after you've done this because, you know what, let the dead bury their dead. He says, you need to follow me now. Now is the accepted time. And can I tell you something? Procrastination is a terrible thing. Uh, listen, if you're, a, if you're listening to this program and you're not saved, those of you, some of you listening, you know you've never been saved. The worst thing you can do is procrastinate salvation. Uh, many a man has said, preacher, one day I'm going to get saved. Many a man that talk like that died suddenly and lifted his eyes in hell because he put off receiving Jesus Christ and he procrastinated that all-important eternal decision to trust Christ and woke up in hell. And listen, Christian friend, maybe you didn't procrastinate when you heard the gospel call in your soul and you bowed the knee and you took Christ as your Lord and Savior and you know without a shadow of a doubt in your heart that you passed from death to life But listen to me, God gives you breath in your lungs and he allowed you to continue to live. And whenever you got saved, whether it was when you were 10 years old or 20 years old or 30 years old or, or whenever, the rest of what, however much time you have left on this earth is designed to be lived and spent and burned out and used up for Jesus Christ. You say, I don't understand. Why are you saying that? I'm saying that because he purchased us. He bought us with a price. But you know what the old flesh will do? It'll rise up and say, well, yeah, that's a good thing. You need definitely, you want to be a disciple of the Lord. There's no doubt that preacher's telling the truth. And you're, you're going to start doing that as soon as you finish this. Can I tell you something? Do you know one reason why the Lord was so blunt and plain with this man? Because I've got a feeling Jesus Christ knew that if this man didn't follow him right then, he was never going to get around to doing it. You know how many Christians I hear talking about, I'm going to do this. I'm going to. I'm going to start. I'm going to start this, and I'm going to do this. You know something? That I'm going to guy never gets anything done. But rather, like we talked about earlier, just one foot in front of the other, just every day, walking with Jesus Christ, day by day, one day turns into seven, and a week turns into a month, and a month turns into a year, and you just keep walking by faith. See, sometimes you stumble. Well, get back up and keep walking. Uh, a righteous man will fall seven times, and he gets back up, and he keeps fall. God will keep him from falling completely. But every time you stumble, get back up and keep walking. One day at a time. One day of faith. And listen, don't procrastinate. The old saying is this, only one life, and it's soon as past, and only what's done for Christ will last. This man was procrastinating, and he was using an excuse about his father's funeral. Now, Jesus Christ has no problem with a man going to his daddy's funeral, but he does have a problem if the man is full of himself. He said, me first. He does have a problem with it if it's him procrastinating and putting off doing today what he ought to start doing. 
No, listen, when God speaks to your heart, do it. Some of you listen to me. You just need to, you know that you're not serving Jesus Christ with all your heart. You know in your heart you're backslidden. The preaching doesn't light your fire anymore. And you haven't handed out a tract for six months. You haven't told anybody about Jesus Christ. And uh, you're bitter at having to tithe and give money to missions or whatever it is. And you're just kind of, you're just putting all, you need to get right today as God's speaking to you. Pull your car over. Get down on your knees out there next to the highway and get right with God. Tell him you're sorry. Say, you know what, Lord, I'm through living for me first. I'm through living for this old dead life and these dead things. I'm going to let the dead start doing the dirty work, and I'm going to follow you starting right now, today. I'm following you today, not tomorrow, but today. And Jesus Christ wanted that man to follow him right then. He said, you follow me. Let the dead take care of all that. Let the dead bury their dead. Jesus wasn't trying to be rude. He was trying to give this man an opportunity uh, to get involved in the greatest life that ever could be lived in this world. And that's a life sold out for Jesus Christ. What about you today? Are you truly a disciple of Jesus Christ? Have you been a little hasty with what you say you were going to do? But as soon as the going got a little rough, you backed out. You're like that man in verse 19. He got the right words, but doesn't have the right heart. Or maybe uh, you're going to follow it, but you're just going to do it tomorrow. And you keep procrastinating. Remember, your life is a vapor. It appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. You only get one pass through this life to serve Jesus Christ. Don't let something, even what you think is a good excuse, don't let it hinder you from serving Jesus Christ. Some of you just need to pray for a new job. Some of you need to change jobs and, uh, and get out of the one you're in because it's hindering your walk with Jesus Christ. There's nothing more important than the Lord Jesus Christ. There's nothing more important. And you know something? The world will take care of its own. It'll take care of itself. But I tell you what, you wouldn't want to waste the life that God has given you, the breath that he's given you. How about living it for Jesus Christ? You know something? Jesus Christ died for me. I want to live for him. And you know something? He died for you. And if you know him as your savior, you ought to live for him. You ought to give yourself over to him completely. That Bible says in Romans chapter 12, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. To give your life and your body, your mind, your money, and all of your talents and all of your ability and all of your influence over into the hands of Jesus Christ to do with as he sees fit is the wisest decision you'll ever make. And you'll never come down to the end of your life and say, I, don't, I think I... Serve Jesus Christ too much. I think I gave too much money to missions. You'll never do that. Only one life as soon as passed and only what's done for Christ will last. Listen, present your body to Jesus Christ and say, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Do something for God and you'll never regret it. Regret it. Don't be like this man and procrastinate. Be so caught up with yourself that you come up with some excuse of why you can't serve him today. Each day is a gift from God. Use it for his honor and glory. May God help you to understand these things, and may the Lord bless you. Until next week, thank you for tuning in.